All right. Who's excited to be here? I like to say to my church back home, uh, if you're not excited, you're not invited. But you're already here, so you are invited, all right? But, but let's get excited, all right? It's, it's fun to be here. We're so happy. Um, my wife, Lindsay, give it up for her. She's so amazing. Thank you. Four kids. I just, I just leaned over her to her during worship. I was like, if you were to stretch out our four kids in months, we, we had four kids in 66 months. Yeah, so that also goes along with the title of messages, Slow Down, all right? So we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about slowing down. Everybody say, slow down. I love that you remember the title. Anything else stick out to you the last time I spoke? Uh, okay, okay, good, all right. Titles are important, but uh, today is uh, slow down. We could say hashtag slow down, but we're just going to go with slow down. And uh, yeah, we had four kids in 66 months. Uh, she will not leave me alone. I have to tell you that. Um, I say, come on, babe. You know, I, th- again, right now, come on. We got, you know, we got plenty of time, uh, but we, we love our children. We brought them today. Uh, and that's a feat. I don't know if you all have kids, but um, if, you, uh, if you don't, um, think wisely. Um, about the next, uh, the next years of your life. Uh, but we love our children, and we brought them all with us today. And just getting four children out of the house uh, by 7.30 in the morning so we could drive down here, like, that is, like, takes uh, strategic planning, you know? Um, that's, like, military precision to get four children out of the house. Two of them are girls, two of them are boys. Uh, and the boys are a little bit easier. Uh, they're older, and so we got two, two boys, two girls. Uh, but the girls and the hair, um, let me tell you, uh, when she's out of town, like on women's retreat or something like that, and it's my job to get them ready for church and preach that Sunday, uh, it is a catastrophe. And thank God for the nice women at our church who recognize that I got them there on my own without any help. And uh, they help with the hair and stuff like that. But all, it's all tears in our home, all right? When, when they're getting ready for church, it's just all tears because you start brushing their hair and, uh, it, you know, it's like it's never good enough. It's never slow enough. It's never the right way. We have this frizz control stuff. I even hear, this is like scientifically uh, orchestrated, chemically formulated uh, frizz control. You spray it in their hair, it's supposed to get all the curls out, and then you're supposed to brush. Well, I've been taught how to do this, and it still doesn't work for me. I think the stuff is garbage, all right? I don't know if you ladies use that, um, but my goodness, getting those girls ready in the morning. Uh, so we're here, all right? So that deserves an applause just in and of itself. Um, but I've known your pastor for a really long time. Uh, Rachel and Lindsay actually have known each other since like fifth or sixth grade, um, and then Tyler and I have known each other for about a decade or so, and we worked at a church down in Southern California together, and I was here preaching about uh, seven months ago, back in August, and uh, they, they asked me back, so it must not have been too bad, all right? Uh, so here we go, slow down. Uh, I want to talk about hurry and how hurry has this ability uh, to really distract our lives and to cause us to lose focus. And I, I know that this is something that God's been talking to me about, and Tyler said you can preach on whatever's on your heart. And that's dangerous because I got so much to say, and he only gave me an hour and 15 minutes to say it. My wife told me not to use that joke again, but it's, it's like, it's the pastor joke, and I just can't shake it, all right? Uh, no, we'll be out of here in 35 minutes. I even brought my own timer. Uh, I think I did this last week. Yeah, so we're on four minutes down, and we haven't even gotten to a scripture yet. So that's, that's a problem. That's a problem, all right? Um, But here we go. Uh, So hurry in our life, um, and I don't know if you're like me, but we have jobs to do, careers to fill, obligations and commitments uh, that are are very important, right? And that God has given us. He's given us our family. He's given us our children. He's given us uh, responsibilities in our life. He's given us homes. He's given us bills to pay, careers to be established, education to pursue. Uh, These are all great gifts from God. 
Uh, but at the same time, those gifts and the very blessings of God, uh, the enemy likes to turn those things around and use them for points of distraction to keep us from the one thing that matters most, right? And that's spending time with Jesus. Uh, the, the Lord uh, gives us these things. He blesses us. But at the end of the day, if we're not careful, we will surrender our priorities to a spirit of hurry. Um, and I don't know if you're like me, um, uh, you know, I believe in, in demons and angels, and uh, you might be a different place in your faith, but I can tell you the spirit world is real, and uh, I think sometimes on, as Christians, everything's a demon is one extreme. There's like a demon, there's like the Chevron demon, right? And the Chevron demon causes you to run out of gas before you get gas, and it's like, that's not a demon, that's just you, all right? That's called the lack of planning demon, all right? That's you and your decisions and your choices to not get gas, which happens to me very frequently. Uh, my friends know me. I like, to, I like to just go on the fumes as far as I can because I like to see that sucker fill. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why, but uh, I've ran out of gas several times, and it's kind of awkward to call my wife and have her load up the kids and bring me gas. Um, but there's no Chevron demon, all right? So Christians err on two sides. Everything's a demon or nothing's a demon, Right? We don't see the spirits behind anything, or we sp see the spirits behind everything. And uh, both of those are extremes that we don't want any part of. But we want to be people who can live a balanced uh, existence, a balanced Christian life that says, there are spirits in our world that are seeking to distract us from the things of God. Uh, there are spirits in our world that are seeking to uh, just kind of creep into our priorities, creep into our life, and cause us uh, to focus on things that really don't matter. And one of those spirits, I believe, fully, is the spirit of hurry. The spirit of hurry. And we can be controlled by that spirit, uh, where we have to get somewhere. I'll give you an example. I was at Rite Aid two weeks ago on a Sunday morning. I had to get some hair product uh, for my girls. Uh, no joke. This is all part of the same story. And... Uh, the door at Rite Aid, Sunday morning, I was late to church, and the door at Rite Aid, Lindsay was on the worship team, so I had to get the girls ready, and the door at Rite Aid wasn't opening fast enough, right? And I had four kids. And you know, they're automatic, right? So I'm giving no mind to the fact that this is an automatic door. I simply step on the rubber in front of the door, and it opens by itself. So I'm not thankful for that on any level. I'm just frustrated because it's just going, and it's opening so slowly and I find myself on a Sunday morning right before I'm supposed to deliver the word of God from the man of God, right? Uh, right before this spiritual moment where I'm supposed to have something to say and teach people Jesus and get people excited about the things of God and discipled and moving forward in their walk with him. I find myself so frustrated and so angry at the door at Rite Aid. Because I am frustrated that it's not opening quick enough because I've got a job. I am a man of God, right? And I've got a job to do. I've got people to preach to. And i got two girls who need to get their hair did, right? And I'm thinking through all these things and frustrated. And I found myself like there is a spirit of hurry that we can submit and surrender ourselves to. Where everything has to happen now. Everything has to happen quick. And nothing is going fast enough in our lives. Unfortunately for us as believers, the kingdom of God does not operate with that spirit. The kingdom of God is like the opposite of the spirit of hurry. The kingdom of God is the spirit of sowing and reaping. And how many of you know when you plant a seed out in your front lawn, you don't go out there three minutes later and say, where are my oranges, right? It's like seven years before you see oranges on that sucker. I know I've got a few. All right. So what about hurry do we need to be careful of? So hurry reduces our enjoyment of life. 
Hurry reduces our enjoyment of life. We can get moving so fast that we can find ourselves not living in the moment and experiencing the joy that God has for us. There's a verse in Job, Job 9.25 says this, My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. Another version puts it this way. uh, My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away without me seeing any joy. My days just come and go. Anybody ever feel like that? Like you wake up in the morning, you get ready, you get whatever you have to do, your responsibilities taken care of. For me, it's a, a lot of it has to do with kids, even though my wife is on the front row like shaking her head because she does all the work, so I don't know what I'm complaining about. But for you, it's different things. It's education, it's the pursuits of life. We wake up in the morning, we get going in our day, we go to bed at night, and it's like my days are running like a swift runner and I just didn't even have any joy. That day, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing life. I'm going through the motions. I mean, you know, depression is a real thing in our world right now. And people are depressed. People are tired. People are sick. They're not taking time, and their time is corrupted and unfocused. And we get to the end of our day, and it's like, it it ran like a runner. And I didn't experience any joy in it. Um, For me, when we go to Disneyland, uh, my family has nicknamed me the Disneyland uh, Fun Police because I want to get every dollar out of that ticket price, okay? So the kids are like, Daddy, we want to swim in the pool at the hotel. We didn't pay for no pool, all right? Pools are free. We could get pool at our friend's house. We're not going to the pool. We're going to Disneyland. By the end of the we did two days, you know, we did two days a few years ago. Man, I, I had squeezed every, They practically were paying us to be there. I want you to we squeezed every dollar out of that ticket fee. And uh, my kids are sobbing at the end of the night. The girls have been sleeping in the stroller for like four hours already. And we're just saying, no, we're going to Lincoln. We're going to go see Mr. Lincoln, give his little speech. He's a robot. It's awesome. Got to see this. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we can go through life so hurried, so wanting to squeeze every bit out of our day or every bit of energy or every bit of focus or every bit of productivity that we miss the fact that God has called us to be a people who are enjoying our lives. I had a professor in uh, Bible college who said this. He said, there's nowhere to arrive. There's nothing to achieve. There's only someone to become. And that's totally the Christian life, isn't it? That God is not looking for us to achieve something. He's not looking us to us to arrive somewhere. He's looking for us to become somebody, right? You might've heard it said, you're a human being before you're a human doing. And so sometimes in our life, we had to take a minute to reprioritize, to refocus, and to slow down to the speed of living a devoted life to Christ. We've got to slow down to the speed and the uh, speedometer that he's moving through life so that we can experience, experience the, thing, the things that he has for us. Another thing at Disneyland that happens to us very frequently is we get to Disneyland and the kids want to go to Tom Sawyer's Island. It's like, I'm not paying $115 for you to go play in the dirt at Tom Sawyer's Island. We can do that, the playground back home. And um, they don't get it. They still want to go to Tom Sawyer. Do I sound like a mean dad? I mean, I really, now that I'm actually preaching in front of some accountability partners, I actually feel really horrible about myself. But I promise, you know, I'm not that cheap, but we can, I I, I have a tendency to hurry. And Lindsay laughs at me all the time because I'll plan these big hikes. We're going to hike up a mountain. It's like, we have a five-year-old, James. Like, we have a five-year-old. We're not going to hike up a mountain right now. It's like, come on, we got to hike. We got to go camp. We're going to backpack. We need to rough it. And it's like, and then I get there, I'm like, this isn't fun. Why didn't I listen to her? This is not fun at all. She's, the kids are too young for this stuff. I'm in a hurry. I want them all to be adults so they can do the stuff that I like to do. Right? And they just sob. <laughs> sob when I make plans. All right? So hurry causes me 
to make mistakes. Hurry causes me to make mistakes. Proverbs 19.2 says this, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. The NIV says it this way, A person in a hurry makes mistakes. A person in a hurry makes mistakes. Anybody been so uh, fast at getting something done that you made mistakes with your work? Uh, You know, multitasking, they have proven, Forbes magazine, over and over and over again, multitasking is a myth, right? You are your most productive when you are your most focused. You are your most productive when you are your most focused. The same is true in the Christian life as it is in the workplace. If we can focus on the things that matter most, I am telling you this, your God, your creator, who's given you all those things in your life to steward, everything will go well when you resist this spirit of hurry and embrace the spirit of peace, right? Embrace the peace that passes all understanding. Embrace the priorities of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's what we're all called to do. I remember our first anniversary, um, anniversary one, we lived in LA and all we had was gas money and a little bit more. And uh, so what we did is we decided to drive uh, my idea, not hers. I don't even know that I told you before we got got in the car. I just said, bring the crock pot. And she did Southwest chicken. What was it? Santa Fe chicken in a crock pot. And we put it in the car. I mean, this is like, this is Cheapville, all right? We were youth pastors, junior high youth pastors. Uh, We made like not a lot of money. Um, And so... (laughs) We, uh, we put the crock pot in the, in the car. There's our one-year anniversary. We drove to uh, Ensenada, Mexico, just past Ensenada, Mexico. We didn't get reservations, but we saw this thing called the Azteca Inn, right? The Azteca Inn. And so we stayed there on our first anniversary. It was rough, let me tell you. Um, and uh, we stayed at the Azteca Inn. We didn't make any reservations beforehand. We're just two young lovebirds in love with no kids and a crock pot of Southwest chicken in the back and Azteca Inn in, in our future. And so we went to Ensenada, Mexico. The next year, I thought, hey, you know, I need, to, I need to up my game a little bit because that was a pretty terrible anniversary. And so we decided to go on one of those quick cruises, the three-nighters right out of right out of San Pedro, and so we got like this killer deal, 125 bucks for San Pedro, but we were so in a hurry to get down there and enjoy the cruise uh, that we didn't realize that you're supposed to have passports when you go to Mexico, and so second year anniversary, we just get down there, we're right there when the ship opens, man, we are there in line, ready to get on that sucker and just start uh, eating, and so... We're we're ready to we're ready to get to get get our get our uh, grub on, and we get all the way to the front. You know, we wait through the line, and uh, the pa- we didn't have our passports, so our friends had to come. They had to pick us up. We went all the way back to our home in Los Angeles. But when you're in a hurry, you make mistakes, don't you? When you're in a hurry, man, things slip your mind. Hurry causes me to miss God every time, all the time. You and I will miss God if our lives are too hurried. If we're people who are just moving too fast at the speed of sound, right? Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Not be in a hurry and know that, I'm a God, that I am God. Now, we lived in L.A. I lived in L.A. for 10 years. She lived in L.A. her whole life. Um, but there was bad traffic in L.A. Now we're up in Sacramento, and like we laugh at our friends in Sacramento. It's like, oh, my gosh, I sat in traffic. It's like, you know, there's not traffic, there is no traffic in Sacramento, all right? That's a joke. You guys are in the Bay Area, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, traffic in Sacramento is like, seriously, stop your complaining. Like, stop whining, that's not real. Uh, But we're from L.A., so, you know, we know traffic, and we're glad we don't have to experience that anymore. But there is nothing that causes you, that that spirit to come on you, like sitting in traffic, right? You just want to get it done, you want to get through it. Uh, Anybody ever hear of road rage, all right? Well, I could introduce you to uh, some folks... Uh, that I have road raged against, um, but I have, 
uh, asked for forgiveness and the Lord has been faithful, all right? So hurry reduces my ability to love others fully. And this is really uh, one that I want to focus on. Hurry reduces my ability to love others fully. When I am not fully present, I cannot fully love. And that is so true. When I'm not fully present in my life, I cannot fully love those around me. When I'm not fully present, I miss the cues of how to love those around me. So the people in our world, our friends, our family, our spouses, our significant others, they are giving us cues, both nonverbal and verbal, all the time on how we can best love them. But if we're so hurried in life, we will miss the cues of the people around us in how to best love them. We'll miss it every time. I miss my cues a lot. And I've told you a lot of things. Like it's called self-deprecating humor, right? I'm really good at it, where I tell you some things about myself that I didn't do well at. I want to show you a video of one day that I won, right, as a father and a husband and a man of God. Uh, this was Christmas morning this year, uh, 2000, not this year, 2018. All right, so just a few months ago. Let's, let's see this video real quick. Okay. Are your eyes closed? Tighter, 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 tighter. Open. Sometimes I nail it. Sometimes I nail it. Uh, my wife had been looking at puppies because we put our lab down about six months ago. She's been with us since the first year we got married. And uh, we put her down about six months ago. And uh, the kids were sad. I was sad. I was like, we're not getting another dog. We already had, we had another one at home. So we're not getting a second dog. We're going to deliver. I'm kind of putting on this angry front. My wife's like looking at puppy yard sales on Facebook. You know, like they have those things, I guess. Um, uh, but she's like looking at puppies and, and messaging people trying to get like somebody to give us one because we're pastors or something like She's like, maybe somebody will feel bad for us, you know? It's like a missions trip to give the Hagers a puppy. Um, and so she's like trying to work an angle like where we can still afford Christmas and a puppy and that angle's not happening and I'm just saying no, no, no. Uh, but she finally gets a hold of this lady. This lady's like, oh, I'll give you like $400 off because I want this thing gone by Christmas. And I was like, no, no, no. And, uh, but in my inside I was saying, oh, this is a moment, James. Don't miss the cue, right? This is a moment to seriously do some good work here in the area of love and uh, taking the cues from your children, taking the cues from your wife. Uh, my wife really wanted this to happen. Uh, before you turn us into the SPCA, it's been a couple months, the puppy's still alive. I want you to know, I mean, it's still alive. It's bigger than the kids now, so it's a golden doodle we love it. His name's Theo, um, which was a whole thing. But, um, but so I messaged the lady on Facebook without my wife knowing, right? And so I'm messaging the lady on Facebook, and I said, hey, 
don't tell my wife, tell her it's not available anymore. You know, and I picked it up on Christmas Eve. I also had to do Christmas Eve services that night, but I, I lied. I got to tell you, like I lied. I did not, I was not a truthful person. Um, and uh, I lied to my wife, lied to my kids. They didn't know where I was at. I was like, oh, I got to work at the church. You know, I got to study. I'm real nervous about tonight. Um, and so I made this happen. I went and met her halfway to Reading. and I bought this puppy and Got it there, got it on Christmas Christmas morning, woke up at four in the morning, drove to my friend's house who just had a newborn, and I asked them to watch a puppy, and I think about that later, I was like, why would I have done that? That's so rude, right? They had literally like a, a four-week-old in their home. I was like, hey, can you watch this puppy for me for a night? So I went at four in the morning, I went and picked this up, and I got it to my house, and I nailed it as a father. I nailed it as a husband. Listen, if we're so fast-paced, and I miss it more than I nailed it, but I wanted to show you at least one of my victories. <laughs> if we're so fast-paced, if we're in such a hurry, we will miss the cues from the people around us, and we'll miss the thing that matters most, and that's loving them, right? I, I, you know, you want to gauge your relationship with God? Don't gauge it by how you are with him, because that's pretty subjective, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I hear from God in my heart, but most of the time I hear like, you can do it. You're a rock star, James. The spirit of God is within you. That's usually what I'm hearing from God. I mean, sometimes there's like these subtles, you need to change that area, but they're so gentle and so nice because he's loving. Um, but if you're ever looking to see where you're really at in your relationship with God, like how are your relationships doing, right? How are the people around you uh, interacting with you? Check out this verse. It's a famous one, 1 Corinthians 13, 2. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing I gotta tell you one of the greatest enemies of accurate love to those around you accurate love to the world around you accurate love to your co-workers is hurry sometimes we're just too in too big of a hurry to really love people and the Lord says be still and know that I am God slow down your bad self and prioritize the things that matter most does this relate to anybody anybody feeling what I'm bringing here all right recognize, listen, there is a spirit attached to hurry. And this is where, wherever you're at in your theology, we're all at different places. We're all at different uh, areas of our understanding and growth. But I really believe this. There is a spirit behind hurry. First John 4 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have, have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Like that's a pretty good indicator, right? If the spirit confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you can pretty much take that's, that's from God, all right? And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Everybody say, now in the world. So I grew up a Christian kid. My parents were pastors, and there was a lot of talk like, who's the Antichrist, right? Uh, when I was a youth pastor, one of the kids in our youth group came, and he believed the Lord told him uh, that George Bush was the Antichrist, right? Like, he, I mean, he believed it with all of his heart, and I said, okay, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows? I guess it could be anybody, right? And maybe you've heard that, like, who's the Antichrist? Maybe they're the Antichrist. That's kind of pop Christian culture a little bit. Listen, this verse right here, uh, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. There is already a spirit of Antichrist in our world. And the spirit of Antichrist is this. Anything that's distracting you from fulfilling all that God has called you to be and to do. That spirit is out there. 
Man, this spirit of distraction, the spirit of a, a change of focus, a lack of priorities, prioritizing things that don't matter or won't matter in the end, right? That's the spirit of Antichrist. Is it keeping you from what God desires most for you? That's the spirit of Antichrist. I really believe this with all my heart. Hurry is one of those spirits of Antichrist. Because there's nothing in our lives, at least in mine, that keeps me more distracted from God and the people around me and accurately loving and accurately being a disciple than just being exhausted. Man, just being busy, just filling my life. Oh, free time? Fill it. Fill that sucker. Fill it with some Netflix. Fill it with some Hulu. Fill it with a TV show. Fill it with, a, fill it with this. Fill it with that. I mean, just fill, fill, fill. Hobbies. Oh, man, just fill it with hobbies. Anything. Just more, more, more whether it's stuff or whether it's retail therapy or whether it's hobby or the pursuit of something new, we fill our lives with things that busy us and cause us to lose our focus on the things that matter most. Well, how do we get this back? There's just one passage I want to show you before we close. And don't, don't get excited. That doesn't mean like five minutes. That's more like a 15-er. Uh, <laughs> it's usually how it works, but we'll see. I've got like nine more pages, all right? You know, this is one thing that I have not been able to figure out. I am so nervous to preach from like, I, I, like, I commend you, bro. I saw a video a few weeks ago and you got like an, a laptop or an iPad or your phone, your preacher from your phone. That still freaks me out, right? I'm a millennial, but just barely, you know, like 1983. It's like, I just got in, um, but I can't, I'm, I still got to have paper. Like I've, okay, that's just, I don't know why I shared that with you, but that'll preach. That'll preach. Print you some paper. Get yourself a hard copy of the Bible, right? Like. Come on, back to the basics, all right. So can we, is it even possible for you and I to live a fully devoted life to Christ with all the responsibilities we have as Americans in this busy uh, American culture, California culture? Man, we are outpaced, outgunned, I mean, all the stuff. We are just moving, 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 moving. Is it even possible to live fully devoted to Christ in a culture like ours? I believe that it is, but I think it's gonna take some extreme focus I think it's going to take some extreme focus and some letting go of things that don't matter and prioritizing the things that do. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. This is, I think, one of the last passages of scripture we're going to get to um, since it's been 26 minutes already. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. Just remember that. She sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, been, had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, tell her to help me. Get, the, get some stuff done. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, Jesus. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Okay, the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, is about to tell us the only thing that's needed to live a fully devoted life to Christ. I mean, we better pay attention. I don't know about you, but like, I like to boil things down. Like, what's the bottom line? I like to fish, you know? I'm, a, I, I'm not a good fisherman at all. Ask my kids. Like, we never catch anything. Um, except that one time, which keeps us still going back, right? Um, 
I like to fish, but I like somebody to boil it down. Like the worst thing is talking to somebody and it's like, well, you know, you need to buy like $195 worth of equipment. You need to get all this stuff and you need to try, you know, the seasons and the fall and the cichlid harvest and all that. I was like, what are you talking about, man? Just like boil it down, power bait. Great. All right. On a hook. Wait, let's go. Um, Jesus is ready to boil something down for us about what it means to live a fully devoted life. So let's pay attention. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha, Martha, stop it. Stop your shenanigans. Stop trying to earn your way into favor. Stop trying to please everybody. Stop trying to get all the preparation. See, Mar- Mary understood her moment. She understood that she's sitting with the Savior of the world. She's sitting with the Messiah. And she's not going to get distracted by making hummus, right? Or getting the pita hot. Like, she's not going to get distracted with sweeping the, the village, you know, the little, the house. She's not going to get distracted by making sure the linens are prepared. She is going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I got to tell you, um, this has been true in my life. Sometimes our Christian activity and our work for God can become a distraction in our relationship with God, right? And it can become, and it's a huge tool of the enemy. He can get you so busy serving God that you miss the one thing that matters most. Everybody say one thing. One thing. And Jesus says, man, I don't know if it's the lights or if it's just like, but I see a lot of stuff flying. Is anybody else see? Like I'm speaking, I promise I'm not a spitting preacher, but today it feels like I am. I just, I see it. Um, so I apologize to the, a good thing there's only three of you up here. Um, the one thing that matters most, the one thing that matters most, and it's not going to be taken away from her. So what is the answer for you and I to this thing that plagues us, this spirit that seeks to control us of hurry? And I think it's sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's doing the one thing that matters most. And the one thing that only matters is about becoming who he's called you to be. And you're not going to become who he's called you to be if you're not willing to sit at his feet. When you sit at his feet, you're declaring him Lord of your life. When you sit at his feet, you're declaring him master controller, the one who is and is to come, the one with whom my life is fully devoted to. And listen, this is not a time thing. I think sometimes we get in our mind, like if I'm spending 40 to 60 hours at work, but only two hour, an hour, 15 minutes in devotional time, I don't know. I mean, how can I ever live fully devoted? I guess I won't even try. This is not a time thing. Uh, in the kingdom of God, we're not timing our life. God does not expect you to quit your job, become a monk, and make meat in the mountains. That is not what God expects of you. Live your life, do your job, right? Love your kids, serve your family, work hard, achieve stuff, man. Get, get, get your life going. But in the context of doing all those things, it's not an either-or reality. It's about bringing all those things under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And saying, Lord, it is for you and because of you that I do all that I do. And so if that's the case, then I never have to worry about losing myself and losing my life in the, in the context of not, you know, not uh, taking care of my family. It's actually when I bring under, everything under the lordship of Christ that my whole life works better. And I can do this just by sitting at his feet as a daily practice. So my mother-in-law has something in her house. Why don't we show that picture real quick? I wasn't sure I was going to get to this. Um, it is a library card catalog, and it's uh, something she keeps in her house. It's like a, a decorative. I, I don't know what's in there. I've never been scared. I, you know, I haven't been brave enough to open it. Um, 
But I had her send me this picture because it reminded me, okay, see, look at all these drawers. Anybody remember the Dewey Decimal System, right? Okay, I don't because I didn't pay much attention (laughs) in that part of the schooling process, but I know it was something that I didn't understand, and so I moved on. Um, But the card catalog used to be at libraries if, you know, if, and you would find books that way. You go through and you and you look up your books and you write them down. They're like little pencils and papers. That part I remember because I had to find the Curious George at six years old every time we went to the library. My favorite books. Go through the card count. And this just this picture, this this chest of drawers reminded me of how our lives work sometimes. See, we all have these drawers in our lives, right? Like we have the drawer of our sexuality. We have the drawer of our career. We have the drawer of our education, our hopes, our desires, our dreams. We have the drawer of our hangups, our habits, um, those things that are sin in our life. We have all these drawers in our life. And I feel like what the Lord wanted me to share this morning was that we're like these drawers, and God is wanting us to open every single one of him, uh, one of those drawers, let him sift through the cards and see which, one, which drawers and which cards and which drawers are not under his lordship. Like, is he really ruler of our lives? Are we enthroning him? Are we putting him on the kingship seat of all that we are? Are we opening up the drawers and saying, hey, God, you can have it all. Lord, every drawer is yours. It's not just my time on Sundays. It's not just my time at small group. It's not just uh, my, my personal life. It isn't just a, a quiet personal relationship with you, God. This is my whole life on display for all that you, for all that you are and all that you want to do in me. There's this passage in, and it's King David. He says this. I'm, I'm going to try and find it here. This is... Um, It's a powerful passage, and it says, well, I'm just going to go for it without giving you the reference. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. This King David, he's praying, he's saying, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And I just picture God just kind of going through the drawers of his life, right? Searching, searching those cards. But he had to present his life that way, right? He had to say, God, I want you to look inside my heart, And this isn't just about my quiet devotional time with you. Lord, this is about me surrendering my life to you. And I am asking you to actively search me. When you pick up your word in the morning or you do your devotions in the morning or you spend time with God, sit at his feet. And instead of just reading your Bible, let your Bible read you, right? Let let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to your heart and to begin to filter through those drawers and say, Lord, is there any part of my life that isn't under your rule, that isn't under your reign? Like, am I so hurried that I'm not taking the time to submit and surrender my heart to you again and afresh every single day? And and he's going to show you things. That's how awesome he is. He's going to show you things. I'm going to ask the the worship team, can they come up? All right, cool. We didn't talk about that before. We'll get it for next service, though. Um, I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to close like this. I want to ask you this morning if, um, if there's any area of your life that you have not enthroned God in? Is there any drawer in your card catalog that God is not Lord over? Because he wants to do things in you. And you have a purpose. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your career. It doesn't matter your phase in life. And it doesn't matter how busy you are. What matters is the attitude of the heart. The attitude of the heart that says, God, I surrender all that I am to you for you to become the purpose and the priority of my life today. And what we do in that moment is we take all of our life and we bring it under his lordship. And we say, God, you are king. You are ruler. You are master. You are controller of all that I am and ever hope to be. Would you close your eyes with me? I want to pray.